Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 113, and we're discussing great anime with bad second seasons. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. So what's going on with us? What's what's new in our lives? We were thinking um, before we started recording, like what we could share, like any any fun updates, any news, but we didn't have much this time. Like there's some things that happen in the anime community, like Ash Ketchum finally won the fucking world champion, whatever. The world <laughs> championship of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, which is like cool and all, but I haven't Only watched Pokemon. It took 25 years. Yeah, I haven't watched Pokemon for many of those years. But hey, that's a great milestone. Um, nothing really to update on with our Japan trip. But I think maybe there's like an update in the world of anime figures because you did get a delivery recently. Yes, I did. And I kind of forgot about it because that's what happens when you, you pre-order things and it says like, oh, estimated to ship like six to eight months from now. Um, Which, okay, really quick. I I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, it takes so long to get your anime figure. And like what I've noticed recently with supply chain issues is that I'll go to a store and, and I'll see the, the figure I'm waiting for just sitting on the shelf. And I'm like, why didn't mm-hmm. I just fucking wait and buy it here? But then part of me is like, oh, wait, the benefit of pre-ordering figures is that they're cheaper when you pre-order them. Why are they? Yeah. any uh, Most of the figures I've seen are cheaper because I'll wait on some yeah, of them. Yeah, that's true. And then I realize like regular retail price after the pre-order closes goes up pretty, not like like a huge jump, but a pretty significant jump. So you do save money most of the time when you pre-order figures. You just have to wait almost a fucking year. <laughs> yeah, I also just figure no pun intended that (laughs) certain vendors get priority over like the other vendors that are selling these pre-orders and that's why you just see them show up in stores but yeah particularly for the ones that i pre-order that came in or just the one that's come in so far it's actually a a pop-up parade figure uh for spike spiegel from cowboy bebop uh i think i got it from good smiles website and so they're the ones that are directly manufacturing this figure. Uh, and Papa Parade is their kind of economical line of figures um, for for those who don't have quite the budget to get all like the the elaborate four hundred dollar figures of all of these anime characters. Which is us. Like so once in a blue moon, we'll splurge on a really nice figure, mm-hmm. but that's a super rare occasion. Yeah. So Papa Parade. They're still pretty detailed figures, but again, it's a it's a more affordable price point. Uh, so they have come out with a line for Cowboy Bebop, and as soon as I heard the announcement, I was like, I need to get these pre-orders because it's all of them. Buy all right? of them. <laughs> it's very rare that you come across any sort of figures related to Bebop that are not within an affordable price range. I remember a couple of years ago they had like these statues for Spike and Faye that were really nice, but they were like $300. And I was like, there's no way. And I know first four figures, they also come out with, they've come out with the four main characters, like statues of them. But those are also things that I I would probably need to make several payments of um, before I could pay it off. Uh, But yeah, so I pre-ordered Spike Jets, uh, Fan, Ed, and Ein. 
Um, I think Faye and Ed and I are supposed to come at a later time, but I pre-ordered Spike and Jet together. And so Spike came in earlier this week, and he looks magnificent, uh, very detailed, um, very vibrant in color, still in box. So I'll have, when I have time, I will take him out and maybe share a picture on the Discord uh, and put it on our display. Or maybe I'll, I'll wait until all four figures come in. And then I got an email notification that the the Jet Black figure from the Papa Parade line just shipped. So I expect to receive that hopefully this week. And hopefully Faye and Ed and Ayn will, will come in pretty soon too. Uh, it's it's kind of cool because, again, I, I forgot that I had made these pre-orders. I think I pre-ordered them over the spring. And then th- these emails just show up in my inbox. It's it's sort of like an like an early Christmas, so to or I would say. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed with the pop up parade line. Um, I as I've shared in the past, I like to curate my collection of figures. Um, so even if it's a character I fucking love, I will only buy the figure if it's absolutely perfect to me. Like if it is just everything I could ever want from a figure. Um, of that character like it has to be the correct outfit their face has to look perfect um, it, I'm just like super particular about it because I, I again I, I like to curate these things and I want like a very specific type of collection something that really speaks to my tastes in terms of figures so Papa Parade has been a really good option because I don't necessarily need to have the most expensive or elaborate figures I just like to have a figure a really solid all-around good figure that can represent my love for a character. So um, if you are following us on Instagram or if you're part of our Discord, you probably saw me share some pictures of some of my pop-up parade figures that I think I got finally earlier this year, and they were from Inuyasha. So it's Inuyasha, Kagome, Kikyo, and Sashomaru. And again, like pop-up parade figures are about like, what, in the $23, $25 price range, depending on- More $40. Oh, well, but I think then it they're depends. Like, they're like uh, uh, priced up. <laughs> What's the word? Marked up. Um, when you go to like a physical store, that's where they can get upwards of like 60. Okay. Maybe I'm confusing it with something else. But you're right. Like that does sound correct because I know like Sashomaru was like around the $40, $45 price range. So yeah, mm-hmm. still affordable in the grand scheme of things. Um, but they're still like gorgeous. Like there's yeah. a nice weight to them. Sashomaru is fucking heavy. He is a heavy ass figure, even heavier than some of my more expensive figures. Um, and they may not be the most detailed figures ever, but they get enough detail where you're like, yes, this is the character. Because sometimes you'll get a figure and you're like, I don't know, like it's cool and all but it just doesn't feel like the actual character. It doesn't look like the actual character. Like if the face doesn't exactly look like what I see in the anime, I'm probably not going to buy it because that's really weird. If I look at it and I'm like, you don't look the same, then I'm not going to be into it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really appreciate about Papa Parade is again, level of detail is more at the mid range, but the detail is spot on for the character um, that, you know, as, as we as we know them. So I've been really happy with it. And if anyone's not familiar with Outline, definitely check it out if you're looking for something that is more affordable. Especially because they've been going through series that you know, I don't think have had uh, figures pop up in a long time. <laughs> uh, again, we're talking about Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Inuyasha, all these classics. I'm looking at uh, figures right now from 
Guren Lagan, which it's been quite some time since that's been on been on TV. But yeah, they came out with a line for these. So I'm kind of hoping that they'll also come out with a line for Trigun because I would love to get a Vash the Stampede or a Wolfwood figure that I don't have to pay up the asshole for. <laughs> yeah, again, it's like, I love Inuyasha, but I don't, like, I, I really love Inuyasha, but it's not something that I would feel like I need to dish out a lot of money for. Uh, maybe other figures like a JoJo figure or a Cowboy Bebop figure or even a Toradora figure, that's got like a really special connection for me where I'm like, yes, if I need to shell out a little bit more money for a really nice figure, I'll do it. So again, it's that perfect middle ground. Um, I know that I, I've been trying to find a figure of Lloyd because I gotta I gotta add Lloyd Forger from Spy Family to my husbando corner. Um, but I he's one that maybe is like not my top husbando. He's one that like you know is obviously a newer character, so there's some hype behind that. So I don't want to spend a shitload of money. And I think Papa Parade just came out with a Lloyd. Yeah, I think they have a Lloyd your and Anya figure for their pop-up parade line. Uh, I know you're, you're specifically looking for a figure of Lloyd that has him in his classic what light green suit and the black gloves. I don't think the pop-up parade figure has that, but it's still a pretty clean figure. It is. It's super clean, but you're exactly right. The reason I decided not to buy it is because it doesn't have his gloves. I love Lloyd's outfit, like his green suit, He's got to have a gun because I want him to have like, you know, that that spy element, but he has to have the black gloves. The black gloves to me makes the whole outfit. Like that's what makes it a spy outfit. But unfortunately, the Papa Parade one does not have the gloves. So I was like, shit, I like it a lot, but that detail alone just just doesn't fit with my curation. So it's fine. I'm sure I'll find something. I'm not in a rush to get a Lloyd anyway. I'd rather take my time and find something that hits all the hits uh, all the marks that I'm looking for. I'm looking at, there's another line, I think Sideshow is selling this one, that it is Lloyd, more detailed figure, Tim carrying a silenced pistol and wearing the gloves. I don't know the price for this one. Is it the posable one? No, it's not a posable one here. I can send you. Oh, no, yeah, this one, the Sideshow collectibles, dude, this one's nice. This one I actually would buy, but it's like. $185 is what I'm seeing. And I don't like, I I love Lloyd, but I don't love, I don't love Lloyd $185 worth. So it is gorgeous, like a fucking gorgeous figure of Lloyd. I'm looking at pictures right now. Um, He's pulling on his suit jacket. He's got the gloves, the pistols out. Like it just looks badass, but not quite, not quite in my, my budget for Lloyd. But yeah, if you want the one from Papa Parade, that's probably around the $40 range. Again, a lot more economical and affordable. The only thing with pop-up parades is that they have like this huge hexagonal base for a lot of their figures. And I feel like that takes up a lot of display space. Uh, So you might want to, anyone who's considering those kinds of or figures from that line, you might want to order bases that are much smaller so that it's easier to display on whatever shelf you might have and and save you some shelf space. Yeah, it is interesting how large the base is. It is nice, though, because if you have a set of them, like the Inuyasha set or the Cowboy Bebop set, you can kind of situate them perfectly next to each other because the hexagons will line up at the edges, but the figures won't be big enough where they're going to touch each other or knock into each other. 
But if it's just like a standalone or if you've got other figures around it, yeah, that can kind of take up a lot of real estate. Yeah, I can't wait for more early Christmas when I, I receive the rest of the Bebop crew. I think I also, or, this is an aside, I also ordered a, uh, a Komi Nendoroid. Oh, you did? I think that's I supposed about to, that. yeah, that's supposed to ship this month. And it's the only Nendoroid that I've ever wanted. <laughs> and I think it's the only one that I will ever get. So. Didn't you also order a Levi that hasn't arrived yet? Yeah, I think that's supposed to arrive by the end of the year at some point, too. Maybe someday, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about today's topic. Let's talk about some of the worst, most disappointing second seasons that we've ever come across in anime. So these are anime that started off so strong, that did everything right and had all the hype in the world. But then came their second season or their subsequent seasons and they fucking dropped the ball. They let all of that hype and success go to waste and just flopped. And if you're if you're a long-standing anime fan, you know how fucking frustrating that is because not every anime actually even gets a second season. There's a lot of anime out there, and this could be a whole nother discussion topic on the podcast. Um, but there's there's a lot of anime out there where we wish we could have a second season. So when a great anime does get a second season and it sucks ass, you're just like, wow, that that that's so disappointing. It's just. I don't know. To me, it's like a gut-wrenching feeling because you know there's a lot of potential there, but they just did not deliver with the subsequent season. So as always, Carl and I have put together our list. We don't know what's on each other's list. There's probably some overlap. My list is probably longer than yours, like mm-hmm. it always is. Yeah. Um, so how many do you have in total? Should we, should we do our normal thing where I double up because I have just an excessively long list? <laughs> I guess I technically have... <laughs> Three, and then I have a couple that I considered sort of honorable mentions. I have nine. Of course you <laughs> How do. How does this happen? I mean, I, to be fair, I have watched more anime than you just because I've been watching mm-hmm. anime longer. Um, so yeah, let's do two for one. Every one that you share, I'll share two. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You can go first for this. Okay, and before we jump in, as a reminder, this is probably going to be decently heavy spoiler territory because we kind of have to justify why we think the second or subsequent season is bad. So we're probably going to have to share some pretty major plot points or you know some pretty gritty details that help to paint that picture as to why we think it sucks. So Skip ahead if you reach a, a series that you haven't watched yet or a season you haven't watched yet, um, and we'll do our best to contain spoilers. So I'm going to start off with one that I know for sure you have not watched, um, and I mustered the courage to watch, and that is Beastars Season 2. Uh, uh, the one on Netflix. Yeah, the uh, quote-unquote furry anime that's also CG. Um, obviously not up my alley. Um, I'm not usually interested in furry things. I'm not really a fan of CG anime, but I heard the hype. I, I heard the talk about Beastars, so I'm like, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. I'm trying to diversify my anime intake, you know, trying to introduce some more boys love and I guess furry anime and sports anime, so I figured... I'd give this one a shot. And I wasn't disappointed. I think season one was actually pretty decent. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was perfect. I don't know if it was at the level of hype that it got, but I did 
feel like satisfied and I got a decent amount of enjoyment out of it when I finished it. So of course I jump right into season two and holy shit, they just threw everything out the window. I don't know what the fuck happened. Before I explain why, are you planning to watch Beastars at all or can I kind of like spoilerize this a bit? No, go ahead and spoilerize this. I probably won't watch this for quite some time. Okay. Or even get around to it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's fair. Um, so with Beastars season one, um, a lot of that is about like Logoshi, the main character, struggling with the fact that he's a wolf and he goes to school and lives lives in a society with a lot of animals that he would normally prey on if they were in the wild, um, you know, like sheep and chickens and shit like that rabbits. i don't know <laughs> yeah rabbits there you go because you know the other main character is a rabbit so that's a huge part of season one really a huge part of the story in general but then you get to like season two and to me it was just like egregiously stupid the the decisions that they made for the second season and i don't know maybe i'm just not seeing something because a lot of people who love Beastars said that season two was just so much better than season one i holistically disagree and there's like just a couple of examples of what I thought was really dumb is like, first of all, you have a high school student, a high school student who drops out of school, becomes the head of the Yakuza only to leave that same Yakuza group a few episodes later or several episodes later. So I'm like sitting there thinking, what the fuck was the point of all this? And what Yakuza group would actually be convinced that a high schooler could be their leader for a temporary amount of time? Like it was just so dumb. So dumb. Well, it's an anime, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Anything can happen in anime, especially one about furries. <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. To me, that's a stretch. Like, I know you have to suspend your disbelief to a certain degree, but that one was a that one was a stretch for me. But then the biggest thing to me that really just like pissed me off was that Lagoshi goes on this like Dark Knight Batman training arc where he's you know, kind of like locked away, um, isolated, just focusing on like how to hone his skills, but also not give in to his cravings for like, you know, eating meat and shit like that. He does all of this only to break his whole philosophy that was like the foundation of his character in the last episode. And, and he does this in order to finish a fight that lasted almost as many episodes as what felt like the Majin Buu saga from Dragon Ball Z. It was the longest fight. It it just did not need to be that many episodes. And again, like the whole thing is Logoshi struggling with these instincts that kick in where he feels like he he's going to, you know, eat somebody or like he's craving blood and meat. And he's like, no, I refuse to do that. And then he just does it in the last episode anyway. And I guess you could say he was justified because it was to overcome this fight or to win this fight. But to me, it's like, you're just making excuses at that point. Like, what was the point of all that struggle if it didn't matter in the end? So I don't know if there's a season three of Beastars. I'll probably watch it um, if it comes out because it's not like I absolutely hated um, the show overall. I just hope that the writing is cleaner and more consistent and cohesive in season three if there is one than it was in season two. So yeah, I would consider season two of Beastars to be pretty bad. Okay, I was, I was going to ask, like, would you consider watching the third season with the way that season two played out? I think that's going to be a question for a lot of the shows that we we talk about today, uh, because it feels like they set up Lagoshi to, to do this thing so that he can kind of have this uh, 
low points in his life, and then season three is when he builds that back up. Is that what it felt like? I don't know. Not really. It just seemed mm. like he was backed into a corner, and they were like, you know, you have to to do this, and we'll all forgive you kind of thing. Like, yeah, this is not part of your philosophy. Yeah, it's like morally wrong, but, you know, given your situation, we'll, we'll let you do this one. We'll let it slide. And, like, I don't know, like, is he just going to expect to go back to being normal? Like, normal. Um, Go back to not craving meat and, and aligning to this philosophy that he so easily broke in the last episode. It was just... I don't know. It just something about it really pissed me off to the point where like I had to I had to message our our confam group and like vent about how dumb I thought it was. So next on my list, um, which one should I go with? Because I have a feeling the next one on here you probably have on your list. So I'm gonna hmm. skip down to one I know you don't have on okay. your list, and that's Inuyasha. Really, I didn't expect your like most favorite anime. To yeah, I I I love Inuyasha. It's not in my top three favorite anime of all time, but it's probably like my number four. Um, it's it's definitely an honorable mention. Um, and it's a throwback. I'm I'm gonna pull this one from the depths of of everyone's memories. Um, so Inuyasha, the first season technically was a long running season that had 167 episodes. Um, I think it aired in like two. Thousand, but after 167 episodes they ended it without giving it a clean ending they just sort of like abruptly ended the anime and said our adventures are gonna go on but you never got any resolution around like the main antagonist naraku or the group collecting the shikon jewel shards or anything like that so then five years later they finally finish it with inuyasha the final act which is technically season two and I mean, I guess I can't complain since, yes, they actually did finish it. Um, you know, it was satisfying enough because it concluded the story in a nice way. So like we as Inuyasha fans got closure, but it just wasn't good. It was not good. Like it was clearly super rushed and they were clearly trying to jam as much shit in it as possible. I don't know if it was like the remaining chapters of the manga they were trying to squish into this final season. Um, or if they just had really bad writing, but you could tell it was, it was a mess. Like things were just happening all over the place. I was watching it with so much hype. I was watching it through rose colored lenses. Like I was just so happy to get more Inuyasha and to finish the story. And that still wasn't enough to make me not notice how bad the writing was and the pacing was for this final act. And I think one of the things that, um, was kind of a thorn in my side, which, it's it's not like the end of the world, but I did originally watch Inuyasha dubbed like many people. So, of course, with the final act, I wanted to finish that journey with the dub cast. And they were able to bring pretty much everybody back except for Kagome's original dub voice actress. I don't know the story behind it. Um, she chose not to come back, I believe. And it was just weird because Kagome is the main character of the show. So to have a new voice actress for the final act just felt like weird, I guess. Um, the new voice actress did a really good job of trying to mimic Kagome's original voice, but it just wasn't the same. So that was kind of like the, uh, I hate to say like cherry on top because cherry on top is more of like a positive thing, but that was like the little bit extra that kind of soured the experience um, on top of the just- The straw that broke the camel's back. There you go, yeah. That's I think that's <laughs> the opposite of the cherry on top. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but that was just like the the additional piece that was like, okay, well, that, that all sucks, but this sucks too because it's a different voice entirely. Wait, I thought Inuyasha 
was an it was an original anime, wasn't it? It didn't have a source material, or am I thinking of something else? Um, I'm pretty sure there's a manga. Oh, or was it ya- was it Yashahime? Yashahime was... was an original. I'll oh, talk okay. about that in just a second. Oh, I'll actually really? mention that. Okay. But no, yeah, Yashahime is an original, and after the anime concluded, that's when they started making the the manga. Um, but I'm d- double checking here. So yeah, the adaptation of Inuyasha was from the manga, which ran from 96 to 2008. Oh, okay. That's a pretty long time. So then maybe maybe the reason that they stopped the first 167 episodes abruptly is because they caught up to the manga. Probably. That's usually the case, I feel, with most anime. Yeah, because it ended in 2004. And then five years later is when they did the final act. So yeah, maybe that mm. maybe that is the reason, but I'm not entirely sure. So don't quote me on that. Because okay, I was going to say a lot of, I think some of the shows that we are going to bring up that had these sort of deplorable second seasons compared to the first season is because of the way that that season adapts the story from the manga. It might be a part of that manga that didn't get received well by its readers or it just wasn't as good of a story as the first part that was adapted by the first season i think that there's that like what do you call it? like a kind of catch-22 when it comes to these anime it's like they're like you kind of have to expect them to be terrible because of how it flows alongside the manga yeah and yeah i, I definitely have examples of that we'll, we'll okay. definitely talk about yeah. that so it's good that you're bringing that up i don't know if that was the case here with inuyasha but either way like i hate to be like you know, beggars can't be choosers. We all wanted the the story to finish out. We got what we asked for, but it wasn't quite to the the level that we had asked for or had hoped for. So as a quick side mention, I do want to call out Yashahime, which for anyone who's not familiar is the spinoff anime that came out last year, maybe the year before, um, that follows the main characters like children. Um, and that's like a cool concept and all, but like no one asked for that. Nobody wanted that. So we were all really confused and concerned <laughs> when they announced it. We're like, okay. Um, and I think it's like a Boruto type of situation. Mm. I haven't watched Naruto, but I've heard plenty from Naruto, Naruto fans that nobody asked for Boruto. No one wanted Bar- <laughs> I just, Boruto. <laughs> I just think of that one Boruto crying meme and that's what sums up Boruto. Yeah, me. basically. <laughs> um, so for Yashahime, Long story short, it wasn't that good. It was super fucking mid. Um, I really only enjoyed the parts where I got to see the original cast from Inuyasha and like what they're up to, you know, in nowadays or like, you know, in the future. But everything around that was like really fucking boring. So unless you're a diehard fan like of Inuyasha like myself, probably not worth it to watch Yashahime. So I think the baton passes to me now uh, for one of the shows that I thought had a great first season and then a lackluster second season and so I, I think I mentioned this in the previous episode um, that I was watching this show and this is the reason why because of this podcast episode or the topic of this episode and so that show is One Punch Man uh, I watched season one quite a while ago it was one of the shows where before we started Strictly Anime Courtney and I were watching it and I think we had gotten Maybe up to episode four? I think six. So we didn't make it past the halfway point for sure. Yeah. And then we just 
don't know, we just forgot about it. Or... Time got away from us. Yeah. People think <laughs> people think when they hear that, they're like, you didn't like One Punch? Like, no, no, we didn't drop it. I think we just got really busy and then mm-hmm. it just like got pushed to the wayside. But we're we're back. We're 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 finishing the one punch journey. <laughs> yeah, we might be like past all of the hype for it, but you know we, we can say we or we watched it. Or I know you watched the first season. Yes, recently. I recently finished the first season and the OVA, and I'm working my way through the first season specials. So I have not gotten to the second season. Okay, I didn't even bother with the OVAs or the specials. So they're I, pretty good. Been... I'd recommend them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I watched season one. I think over the summer, just so. It was just one of those things where I watched it before. I might as well just finish it. Uh, and I, I love the first season. I can see why people were so hyped about One Punch Man. And I remember seeing all of the cosplays back in the, the 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 year it came out. I think it was like 2015 or 2016. Um, and I, I gave it a 9 on Mal. I don't know what you rated season 1. I think I gave it like an 8.5. So just like a hair lower than you. On Mal? Well, on Mal, you have to do a whole number, so I yeah. guess an eight, but yeah. So the special thing that I, I don't know if this is really special, but the thing that I knew about One Punch Man, however, is that when season two came out, I think in 2019, people had very negative things to say about it. And so this was one where I was curious to know if these, these people if their claims had any merit um, when I was watching season two. And I I got to say, they weren't wrong <laughs> at all. Uh, and I think it's mostly just because of the animation. And I'm going to send Courtney some pictures I found, like comparison shots, and maybe we can share these on the Discord for anyone who's interested. But to provide a little bit of background, season one was produced by Madhouse, and Madhouse is known for a lot of anime classics like Death Note, the 2011 adaptation of Hunter x Hunter. And so that's why the animation quality was so spectacular in the show. And it also had um, great direction as well. Uh, what was the director's name? Shingo Natsume was the season one director. But when it came to season two... The studio changed to JC staff, who has considerable JC staff. <laughs> considerable There's your answer. Anim- <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's the overarching answer. Um, what have they done before? Oh, I know they did. I the, think they did Toradora, didn't they? <laughs> I think so, and and they did a uh, Way of the House Husband, uh, which you know that's that's kind of a travesty in itself. Um, but yeah, it switched to JC staff because uh, Shingo Natsume was busy with other projects and a lot of the animators ended up following him um, after he departed the One Punch Man project. So that led to this overhaul in animation, um, which led to JC staff picking up the pieces. And I think it was also just a rushed production. And so you, you just, One Punch Man season two was a culmination of all of this. And the comparison shots that I sent Courtney, I think they speak for themselves. The There's a shot of Genos, from season one and he you know he's has that clean animation um with his arm or his hand sticking out as he's about to incinerate whomever and then you have a similar shot of genos in season two which it's it's like night and day how detailed his face or how less detailed his face is 
in comparison to season one. Another thing that really annoys me is that, you know, he have he has these metal parts, right? But it looks like they're airbrushed on as if he's wearing parts of a like a cosplay, right? It, it takes the believability out of him actually having metal parts for a body. Yeah, I'm looking at these right now, and all I can think is, ew, yeah. <laughs> look at Saitama's face. <laughs> oh, yes, what another one, yeah, Saitama's face. Like, it just feels like they the animation wasn't clean at all, and it wasn't as, like, bold and in-your-face as a lot of the character designs were in season one. Another thing was just the way that characters moved. I think I told you this uh, when I started season two, the, the first episode, the characters were kind of moving like how you would expect to see like animation from the 1960s. I'm, I'm talking about shows like, what was it? Like DC's Super Friends or the original Spider-Man, like <laughs> in Technicolor, uh, where it's kind of, it feels like it's kind of rotoscoped, but it just, the characters didn't move as fluidly as they did in season one and even action scenes felt like really blurred and out of focus it was hard to catch like who was throwing punches in certain scenes uh so yeah i can see why like animation was a deterrent to a lot of people enjoying season two and just alongside that i i didn't find the story as compelling and i don't want to go into too many details because i know courtney hasn't watched season two yet but just to kind of summarize it, the, the story in season two had less of a focus on Saitama. And it made me think, why are you even calling this One Punch Man Yeah, anymore? what the hell? Is it feels like he has more of a cameo in this season. I mean, like, it's similar to the first season where you have these other heroes that the, the, sto- or the series goes into, like, their backstories, like, it goes into... But I always thought that, you know, like one like Saitama should be the focal point, And then you have all these characters kind of inform his journey. But it just feels like it's the other way around here. And he's mostly relegated to a cameo in this quote-unquote, I guess, or actually like a, an actual tournament arc plot line that keeps him out of the main conflict of the second season. And it also just makes me wonder has his you know his one punch op ability has that shtick just lost its steam where like it 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 goes it plays to comedic effect in season one but it kind of wanes here and and i know like there's a um, an inner conflict that saitama has with this that we see in season one and it kind of evolves in season two but yeah i don't know how much longer the shtick can last for it to be enough of a compelling story for a for a viewer plus it ends season two on this cliffhanger that just has a lot of threads that are left hanging so i think that coupled with the quality and animation made this to be a season that didn't live up to its preceding season i know that the third season has been announced i don't know if a studio has been announced yet but i'm hoping they they take that experience from season two and put it in a more positive direction. Let's take a look. I'm actually curious. Um, I know they Punch. released a, a visual of One Punch Man season three, but I don't think the visual makes any mention of the studio 
It says production is Shueisha. Shueisha. I thought they're... They did Death Note. Oh, like, I think they're the the company. Oh, wait, Studio None found. Sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, not, no studio announcement yet. But uh, going back to JC's staff, uh, the reason I, I have that reaction to JC's staff is that they have a very hit or miss track record. Mm-hmm. Like, they have some really amazing anime, like Toradora, Food Wars, um... Shit, I'm looking really quick. Prison School, Golden Time. Uh, they have like some really solid shit that they've done. But then there's other stuff where it's like, what the fuck is happening here? And One Punch Man season two, I think, is is one of those what the fuck pieces on their roster. Way I'm of sorry, the on their house resume. Husband yeah, well. Way of the House Husband. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I That's what I had heard a lot too, is that the animation just fucking flopped in the second season of One Punch. Um, and... I do have to say, the first season looks fucking gorgeous. I mean, just mm-hmm. the animation alone is top notch. Um, one of the best that I've seen from Madhouse. So it's a, a big it's a big set of shoes to fill. Yeah, of course. But you have to know that going into agreeing to take on One Punch Man season two. It's it's kinda like with Mappa taking on Attack on Titan. It's a different feel, it's a different vibe. But they're mm-hmm. still bringing the level of production, um, that animation quality that you'd expect because of what Wit Studio started. Right. So the transition is weird, but it's still acceptable. Like we can still, you know, easily move into the ma- the Mappa phase of Attack on Titan. But here it's like just judging from the screenshots alone and what you shared, it seems like you're going back a million years when you go to <laughs> One Punch Man season two. Yeah, and again, I understand if. Like uh, JC staff was just pressed for for time and resources, but but you, you gotta know, prioritize prioritize yeah. one punch. I mean, my mm-hmm. God, I don't know what else they were working on at that time, but was it bigger than one punch? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. All right, so what are my next two? Let me pick here. Um, okay, I'll, I'll go with a recent one. Um, so this next one is The Devil is a Part-Timer Season 2. You know, there's yeah, that, there's goes one of mine. Oh, you have this on your list. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised because I know that you had mentioned that you didn't feel as um, offended by Season 2 as I as I was. Mm. But we all know like The Devil is a Part-Timer Season 1 was fucking hilarious. It was great. Um, people were just waiting for season two to finally be announced and when it was announced we were all so surprised so excited so hyped because again like season one was comedy gold probably one of the funniest anime um that i've ever watched and it's not even like a full-on comedy anime the comedy of this anime just hit so fucking well well then we get to the devil's a part-timer season two which came out earlier this year and it just kind of lost a lot of the comedy and the magic that the first season gave us. If I were to sum up season two, it was just really boring. Like, really boring. Mm. It set up a bunch of situations for these characters, but never actually resolved anything. There was not nearly enough interaction between Mao and Emmy, and they're the main characters. Um I, I actually loved the new animation style because I think it changed studios. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, season one was animated by White Fox. Season two uh, was by Three Hertz. And I think it feels like it's closer to the animation. Or 
the, the the art style of the manga. Yeah, that's exactly exactly why I loved the new animation style and the new character designs because it was closer to the manga, which I personally preferred. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the character designs of the first season, but aesthetically, I just personally liked the vibe of the second season. Um, but the animation itself was really fucking bad. Just like really bad, really stilted. Um, mm. eyes weren't lining up. Like the pupils of eyes were like all over the place sometimes. I'm like, where is this character supposed to be looking? Um, the action sequences were really just like boring in general. I think I everything, know. everything felt flat in yeah. the animation for the second season. Um, it felt more dynamic. I know like this is sort of, a a little bit of like a slice of life slash isekai. But even the first season when Mao goes into his his, his like devil form or ki- like King Satan form, whatever, like it, it feels like there's teeth to how he's drawn there. With this one, it, it felt less so. I actually did read ahead in the manga for The Devil's a Part-Timer because, again, we didn't know when the fuck if we were ever going to get a season two. So... I will say, and this is to your earlier point about sometimes anime are faced with tackling like a slower part of the story or a poorly written part of the story from the source material. And I would say that's probably the situation that they were faced with with season two of Devil is a Part-Timer. And they had that tough task of adapting something that just was mid in that source material. Um, Cause I do mm. recall like finding this part to be really boring. I would say if they have a, a season three, that's probably where things are going to pick up again. So I can't entirely knock them. Um, but even if you have to adapt a shitty part of the story, you should go into that knowing that everything else should be on point. Like mm-hmm. at the very least, put in some good animation. At the very least, like make the characters look absolutely beautiful. At the very least, try to get the comedy to hit the way it first it did in the first season. I feel like they they went into season two knowing that this part of the story was boring. So they were like, fuck it, we're not even gonna try. Why dish all of this? this uh, effort and all these resources into something that's going to be Mm -hmm. boring. But it's like, I don't know, just just try. (laughs) You had like five years to do so, right? More than that. Was it like eight years? Oh, you know, 2013, I think this came out. I want to say it was like eight-ish years. Uh, uh, 2013. Yeah, I I think it was, I was thinking of a different anime. Uh, Yeah, first season came out 2013. So doing my math, seven eight nine years why can't i do math right now 2022 minus 2022 minus 2013 nine years Ooh. okay thank you calculator um yeah i mean i don't know what else three hertz was working on in that time span or when they what have they even worked on at all i'm not familiar with white fox or three hertz um they did a I did a Sword Art Online spinoff. None of these shows sound familiar. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame because you know, people, like you said earlier, were clamoring for a season two. We finally get it, and it's not. It, it doesn't meet our expectations. Uh, and I think it's kind of a juggling act with you know, e- even if you have a shitty part of a story. You, you could kind of spruce it up with uh, 
the, the animation and making sure that's consistent. But the, the thing that annoyed me with season two story-wise was the introduction of Alice Ramis, the, the, the child or the baby or whatever that claims that uh, Emmy and Mao are her parents. In a way, I just felt that was completely unnecessary. And it makes me think of, uh, the, there was a Simpsons episode about Itchy and Scratchy, the cartoon that Bart and Lisa watch. And then they introduce a character called Poochie that kind of just... Poochie? Yeah. Poochie gang, rise up. <laughs> okay, not not Poochie from, from JoJo. <laughs> but like Poochie, like it was a, a dog that was introduced in the show that really offered nothing new and felt completely unnecessary. That's what I kind of felt with Alice Ramis. I know she's kind of tied in with this whole overarching plot with what's happening in uh, Enta Isla where Mao and these other characters these fantasy characters have been isekai'd from but it's everything felt so unclear about what is actually happening in this story alongside you know the 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 demon duong gang picking up these part-time jobs in other areas like what's happening is they're collecting fragments of something or there's like a rebellion i know there's like a war going on in antisla but I don't know. It was just confusing trying to figure out what's happening in the overarching plot while we're getting all of these smaller things. You're you're absolutely right. Like even having read the manga, it was still just so sloppy the way that some of this information was shared in the anime. Because again, like I feel like situations were initiated in season two, but nothing was actually resolved by the end of season two. So I guess we have to wait till season three. If that even gets adapted, who fucking knows? But yeah, it's just really sad to know that for eight, nine years, everyone was clamoring and hoping and praying for a season two. We finally get that announcement out of fucking nowhere. Um, And we're all so excited only to have it just fall into oblivion. (laughs) I remember like the the start of that season. What was it? Summer this year? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the summer season, like, Everyone was so excited for it, and then just no one fucking talked about it. It just went radio silent because there was nothing to talk about, and it just looked so ugly and all this stuff. So, yeah, it's um, this is for me is is a pretty big disappointment overall. So my next one, I'm gonna do another throwback similar to Inuyasha. Um, I'm gonna ask you again to pull these memories from the deep recesses of your mind. I want to bring up Black Butler. Never watched it. <laughs> I, I I somehow just finally decided to watch it, I think, earlier this year. Um, just because it's one of those ones that was really popular back when I was a, a blossoming anime fan. I never bothered to watch it, but I kind of just wanted to know. I just wanted to know, like, what made it so popular. And I will say season one of Black Butler was pretty good. Um, I don't think it was spectacular. I don't get why it had the hype that it did back in the day. Probably just because everyone loves Sebastian. Um, but the first part of season one was was pretty solid. I enjoyed it a lot. The latter half of season one, I think, is where things started to fall to the wayside. And what I had heard, and I haven't done any research, so this is all hearsay. I apologize if this is incorrect. Um, but what I heard was like the first part of season one followed the manga pretty closely. But when you get to the halfway point or maybe towards the end of season one, that's when they start to stray from the source material. So then you get season two of Black Butler, 
which apparently wasn't even derived from the source material at all. It strayed very far from the manga. And let me just paint this picture for you because I started season two of Black Butler. I saw like a big ass like warning on the forums section of season two on mail. So I clicked it and I'm like, what is this about? Um, not like a warning warning, but just like a, a thread title that caught my eye about season two. And I like skimmed it and I'm like, oh boy, what am I getting myself into? So I watch it and literally the opening scene is a little boy. Well, I don't know if it's the opening scene, but it's like in the first episode, I think there's a little boy laying in bed with an old man and they're both butt naked. Oh, and it's implied that something probably sexual happened right before the scene opened up. And I was like, oh. nope. Yeah, it's 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 like that, apparently. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I noped out of there real quickly. And I'm like, well, if season two doesn't even follow the source material, why bother watching? Like, it's just going to be a waste of my time. Because then I read that there's like a, a quote unquote second season two, um, which actually does follow the manga. I think it's like, book of circus or something like there's three books um and it's like two seasons in a movie or something that does follow the manga more closely so i watched those um i followed that again pretty solid kind of felt the same as like black butler season one so overall i enjoyed it but yeah i i can't even really comment on the original season two of black butler because that scene alone was like hell fucking no I'm done. I don't care. And I had I had read some comments um, on Mal about that original season two. And some of the things I noticed in addition to it having like this really fucking weird scene was that it was like way darker and like, I don't know if it was gorier or just like over-sexualized or what, but it was not the same vibe that you would get from Black Butler in general. So again, if it doesn't even feel the same, if it has no ties to the source material, and just really strays far from what it's supposed to be, in my opinion, that's not a good thing, and it's not even worth watching. Well, why would they have wanted to stray from the original source material? Did you ever, did you read up on that? Like, did they feel like the original source material wasn't well-received or didn't feel good enough to adapt to anime? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do any research. It's a good question, um, but I mean... The actual source material second season and beyond was way more well-received than this original season two. So I don't know like what the strategic decision was behind changing the direction that season two went in. But yeah, apparently it sucked ass. Hmm. I was going to say like this could be an example of where, you know, like anime has that sort of unique feature where if certain parts of a of a manga aren't well received they could go a different route but i think that too can can be a hit or miss especially with black butler's case it was a definite miss uh, i don't know if there's a, a, sh- a show out there in anime that manages to get that alternate route of an adaptation done correctly uh, maybe someone can let us know in the discord Sometimes you do hear about like an anime catching up to the manga, but not wanting to stop and wait for the manga. So it'll just have like an anime original ending to it. And those are hit or miss. Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Those are hit or miss. Like some of them do work out well. Some of them definitely don't. Here, maybe someone just wanted to take some creative liberty, as you mentioned, and 
try something new. But if that something new is a little boy and an old man sleeping together, no, thank you. I'm fine. I don't need that in my life. Moving on. This is actually the only other uh, anime on my proper list that I wanted to bring up. And I, I'm sure this is going to be on your list as well. Uh, it's The Promised Neverland Season 2. Which I feel like <laughs> when they uh, they produced it, they're like, how can we fall off even worse than the final season of Game of Thrones? I think if there is one anime with a bad second season that would define what a bad second season looks like, it's The Promise Neverland season two. I have never in my life been so mad at the way an anime ended ever. And like, I've seen some really fucking bad endings. This was just like, they didn't even try. They didn't even fucking try. <laughs> I mean, like literally all. they didn't even try. And so if anyone's interested, we actually did a review on The Promise Neverland season two. That's episode 32 of Strictly Anime. Wow. 32. That's a throwback. Like a a lifetime ago. Honestly, it's more of a roast of season two (laughs) versus (laughs) a review of it. But yes, it was, we had a lot to say. So yeah, if you want to hear all the gritty details, which honestly, I think it's worth it. I had a really good time roasting it because it was just that bad. Um, Definitely check out episode 32. But yeah, let's explain why it was bad for those who are blessed not to have seen it. Well, let's let's talk first about the positives of of season 1. I think we this was a show that we had watched I think right before we had wanted to start um, the strictly anime podcast. Well, I had watched Promise Neverland season 1 first and it was mm-hmm. so good yeah. that I was like you have to watch it and I will watch it with you. I was I think very shortly after I had finished season one, I rewatched it with you because it was just that good. Yeah, especially because like it all just takes place within this contained location. Uh, what was it called? The farm, right? I, I think maybe so. it was something and like that. that. Yeah, it was on like a farmland or like a prairie <laughs> or some shit. Yeah, it it, it just has uh, it was all of these kids and you know, they are trained to be smart individuals before they're let out into the real world. And then you find out that they were only let out to the real world just to be eaten by all of these demons. And they're basically just, livestock. Yeah. Uh, and so it makes for this interesting, like, sort of prison escape story where you have you follow Emma, Ray, and Norman as they're trying to fight against the farm and then go beyond the walls. <laughs> I feel like I'm describing Attack on Titan right now. Um, and so. I think that's that's where season one ended is they, they finally escape the prison and they're off on their own in this unknown world where like they could die at any moment if they're exposed to these demons. And so going into season two, I was super excited. I was expecting something almost along the lines of The Walking Dead where you could lose characters that you've held near and dear to your heart. But with season two... As that season progressed, it felt like everything was working in this group's favor. Like there was nothing that was threatening to them, especially with what was her name? Mujika and the other demon. Like I thought they had some ulterior motive in wanting to assist them. And even the the male one that was following uh, Mujika, I think at one point he like, he commented on how he was so 
tempted to eat these children. And I thought, oh, he's probably going to do that at some point towards the end, and that's going to throw everything in disarray. But he never does. Again, everything, it's like, like these kids are just walking down this path, uh, like almost like a parade route with nothing standing in their way. And then you get to the climax where, like, what was it? Mama, just like, you think that she's going to turn on the kids, but she doesn't. And so she joins the rebellion against these demons. And I think that's that's where the show ends. That they, they, they have like this whole epilogue thing that they just turn into a Microsoft PowerPoint slideshow that just glosses over everything that was happening in the manga. And I know that manga readers of The Promised Neverland were saying like, yeah, the story doesn't really get any better, but there are certain arcs that could have been adapted uh, they keep mentioning, uh, I think Goldie Pond was one thing, but that just gets relegated to like two screenshots in the final episode for season two. And it just left me feeling like that's it. Like that's how this show ends. It starts so epically and then it just wipes the rug from under you or the, yeah, wipes the rug from pulls under the rug from pulls under the rug. Thank you. I'm losing my, yeah. At idioms or metaphors or whatever yeah pulls the rug from under you and then just leaves you feeling unfulfilled like i haven't been that infuriated at a show since the final season of game of thrones yeah i mean think about it like again here's an example of like the source material falls off a little bit but it, this is this stands out because again they didn't even try they could have just ended season two wherever it was supposed to end naturally and then just never give us a season three and just you know have that like vibe of go read the manga if you want to find out the rest but they i guess the only thing they tried to do was actually wrap up the show but to do it in a powerpoint slideshow i mean literally yeah just still images of like i don't know like key visuals from each major arc that Mm -hmm. happens after season two i mean that's at least an acknowledgement of the rest of the story. But as a non-manga reader, as an anime-only person, I'm sitting here thinking, what the fuck am I looking at? What are these <laughs> images? Like, is this is this supposed to be important? Is this supposed to mean something to me? Because I have no... I can't deduce anything from a key visual or from a still image that's supposed to encapsulate an entire arc of a story. One that I remember is Mujika becoming... Like demon queen. I don't even remember really? that. That's I, the only one. There's a bunch like, of images to me. That I was mm-hmm. like, I'm being bombarded right now, and I can't commit any of this to memory. That, that was the only one where I was like, oh, there's a character development for her. But yeah, the rest of it is just Emma going through the world, trying to you know change the the viewpoint on demons eating humans or whatever. Uh, oh yeah, and then there was a whole thing where the kids end up in New York City or something. Yeah, that I would have liked to learn more about. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing in present day (laughs) New York? Yeah, this this was a circus. The the promised Neverland was just a whole circus. And I think at one point, wasn't this the anime where like no one on the staff wanted to take credit for one of the episodes? Yes. (laughs) Because I know in other anime, like one that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, 
there were like cries for help in like the credits but i think for the promise neverland season two there was an episode where it was just so bad that no one wanted to take credit they didn't want to put their name on the yeah on the episode i'm looking at an article from comicbook.com controversial episode foregoes writing credit amidst backlash so yeah they didn't even want their names put on this and i don't blame them yeah <laughs> man so yeah that one that one's a heartburn for sure I mean, it would take a lot to to top the egregiousness of The Promised Neverland Season 2. Because, again, this is still, to me, one of the most disappointing things that's ever happened in anime. Um, but I'm almost scared to see what could top it. Because if it gets worse than this, then I, I don't know if I even want to watch it. <laughs> so you have no other anime on your list? Um, I have... Besides, like, an honorable mention yeah. list. Because I know we have a few of those. Mm-hmm. All right. So... I'll go through the rest of mine, but I'll save one in particular for the end because I think you'll you'll be able to comment on it. So this next one I'll go through quickly because really I don't have much to say about it because I watched it a while back, so I'm, I don't really remember too much about it, but it's Sword Art Online Season 2. And uh, like a lot of people, when Sword Art came out, I was like, what's this all about? My sister recommended it, um, so I watched Season 1, and I, I thought it was good. Like, I enjoyed it. But then we get to season two and season two got rapey. I'm just going to say it straight up. It got rapey. (laughs) Even my sister, again, who recommended the show to me entirely was like, yeah, sorry about that. Season two was bad. And I'm like, yeah, it was really bad. Um, So I know a lot of people fell off of sword art after season two because of how like uncomfortable it got. Um, And I'm one of those people. And people have told me, like, I know JD from Anime Brothers really loves Sword Art Online um, and, and, you know, has said that it gets better. It's really good. Some of our friends have said that, too. I don't know. Like, I guess I just didn't love season one enough to want to pick it back up. Like, season two was just enough. It left a sour taste in my mouth. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm just going to put that one to rest. So now I'll jump over to another anime. Um, And this one is uh, pretty timely because we also did a review on this. Rather, I did a review with a special guest. And that's The Rising of the Shield Hero Season (laughs) 2. Forgot about (laughs) this one. Oh, boy. So if anyone's into the isekai genre or remembers when Rising of the Shield Hero Season 1 came out, you'll know that people fucking loved it. Um, One of my friends and I watched it, and we were both like, it's so good. Like, it shouldn't be this good, but it's, like, really good for some reason. And we just love the shit out of it. I think Naofumi's revenge story um, and Raftalia's, like, rough backstory and, like, her her growth that she experiences, actually, all the characters' growth, is just so compelling and really interesting. And that's what sold the show for me. So naturally, we were all very excited about season two because we got both confirmations for season two and three at the same time shortly after season one wrapped up. Like, that's great. That's awesome. So fucking hype. Can't wait for it. Finally, season two arrives. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So if you want to hear all of the details um, of my thoughts of season two, Definitely check out episode 95 of Strictly Anime. We had Ash from Simping for Senpai podcast on as a guest so that he and I could roast the shit out of the second season because it was that bad. And I have to say, I've never cared less about a turtle in my entire life. There was this whole arc about a fucking giant tortoise and it just felt so detached from everything else because it literally was. 
it was like this side quest that Nalfumi had to go on. Like they even paused the fucking, um, oh, I can't remember what they're called, but it's like the big battles that happen periodically where the heroes have to protect the world. They like literally paused it just because like there was this tortoise shit going on and they had to, I don't know, defeat the tortoise or help the tortoise, whatever the fuck it was. And the tortoise was like this ugly CGI thing. And I'm just sitting there like, I just don't care. I don't care about this turtle. I don't care about like this second layer of isekai that's happening in season two. I just don't care about anything that's going on. This doesn't feel like Shield Hero season one. It doesn't have like the same amazing characters. Raftalia and Philo have like taken a backseat to the slew of other female characters that suddenly get introduced. It was just a hot mess. And what was really awkward is that we went to Crunchyroll Expo and they were touting season two of <laughs> Shield Hero because it's a Crunchyroll anime. Mm -hmm. And they even had like, we went to one panel where they had Kevin Pankin on because he did the music for Shield Hero, which of course sounds amazing. Um, but they also had, I think, the producer or somebody on staff who was like responsible for season two. And he was a special guest at the panel. And the whole time that they were asking him questions, I'm like, are they ever going to ask him why season two was so fucking bad? <laughs> I feel like that was the elephant in the room, but no one wanted to acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. And I think... <laughs> They this guy was new for season two, so I was like, "Oh, oh. no!" <laughs> I think he was trying. I think he was saying like he he did his best. That was like the 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 clean answer for him to say like he was doing his best with season two and what he had. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of an awkward. There was like an awkward air in the room. I know it was filled with a lot of Shield Hero fans, but yeah. Like, I, mean, I was kind of uncomfortable, even me not having watched Shield Hero. I do feel like maybe this is another situation where the source material, the manga, had a really boring part that they just have to adapt, and they just got to make the best of it. But the animation was still like pretty shitty at times for Shield Hero Season 2, so there were other, other pieces of it that were lackluster. Um, but I don't know. I'm just totally speculating here. Maybe that's why we got a confirmation of season two and season three all at once because they knew like, well, we got to get through season two. We got to get through this stupid arc so we, we can get back to like the good stuff about the story with mm. a season three. Um, so they have confirmed all of that. There was a key visual at Crunchyroll Expo for season three. I mean, I'll still watch it. I still really like Naofumi and Raftalia. I like their journey and I, I feel hopeful that season three will get us back on track but i swear to god if there's another turtle i will fucking lose it i was so pissed about that turtle that's like most of my complaint in episode 95 of strictly anime strictly anime i'm like i cannot stand this fucking turtle you were sitting there manning the audio the whole time yeah. i probably said turtle so many times in that episode yeah I'm, i was just there making sure audio was fine that the recording with ash was good but man, it felt like I was listening in on a group therapy session between you two because about just, turtles, <laughs> about turtles, about just Shield Hero season two altogether. It was it was a it was a definite roast. I was like, damn, I didn't think it would have gotten this bad. And the last one on my list, which again I think you can chime in on, and I'm surprised is not on your list. This one is My Hero Academia. 
specifically mm. seasons four and five. So this one's a little bit different because it's not that the second season of My Hero is bad. In fact, the second season of My Hero was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But this is a subsequent season or seasons of My Hero that just, I don't know, it caused My Hero to fall off. I just don't get the same excitement that I used to about My Hero. Yeah, I, I forget which which um episode we did our My Hero season five review on. So that was but... um, a two parter. So episode thirty nine of Strictly Anime, we talked about My Hero Academia season five part one, and then part two was episode fifty four. Okay, thank you, thank you for looking into our archives. For that <laughs> one. Uh, and I know we. Actually, like the first couple episodes of Strictly Anime, we did episodic reviews of some of season four, uh, mostly in the Bunkasai arc. Um, I didn't think season four was terrible. I, I know like the the overhaul thing was, was just, it, it dragged on a bit. Um, and it's hard to fill uh, all my shoes with Endeavor stepping in as the number one hero. And I know, like that's that was a huge thing that I thought would would kind of change up the trajectory of of the series because um, now we're living in a post All Might society. But yeah, after season four and, and roll into season five, season five was just like a fucking tournament arc, and I I called Again, it a, second yeah. tournament arc of the show. <laughs> yeah, and I, there was real. I thought there was really no point to it except just to show. Uh, Midoriya's new black whip ability. That and to like, I guess, give some screen time to Class B. Who the fuck cares? There's about already class so many B. people in Class A. I don't need a whole second yeah. class to like try and figure out. Yeah, uh, and I know that like they had the stuff with the like my villain Academia, and that felt like it had a little bit more substance, but nothing in season five felt like it it was kind of worth watching. I think I called it a filler season in our review uh, just because it's leading up to this, I guess, I don't know if it's called All Out War or what this arc is in season six. Um, although I, I've been hearing great things about season six and we aren't caught up yet, but I, I do look forward to those episodes. What we've seen so far has been very promising. Yeah. So I, I've got my fingers crossed at season six, like My Hero is back. Like I, I miss seasons one through three of My Hero. Mm-hmm. I want that My Hero back again. Um, but that's why I put My Hero on this list because I just feel like season four was mid, season five was just like really boring and My Hero has fallen off. And I think too for me, like I, I just don't find Shigaraki that interesting as a villain. Like- mm. All for one is far more interesting. Yeah. And I, for him to be the focal point of season five, but with like not a lot of substance behind it, I was kind of like, okay, I just, I don't care. And I get it. I think Midoriya and Shigaraki, like they live in their respective mentors' shadows, like Midoriya with All Might, Shigaraki with All for One. But, but that's the problem. Like you have these larger than life heroes or villains that we're expected to kind of embrace the next generation. And maybe it's just because we haven't seen the entire journey yet, but what they're establishing now is just not compelling enough to really be invested in my hero. Uh, So I'm really hoping that season six does pick up the pieces 
And just from, I think we've just watched three episodes so far. I'd say those have been better than the entirety of season five. I completely agree. So yeah, I I'd, I hope that the next time we have this type of discussion, My Hero will not be on it, um, that we'll be talking more positively about My Hero because it there's a reason the show is so popular. Like it, it started off as a fucking powerhouse. Um, I haven't cared that much about a tournament arc since fucking Yu Hakusho. So the fact that like seasons two, season two's tournament arc hit that hard was amazing, but I didn't need a second one, especially in season five <laughs> and especially about characters who are definitely like what sub characters. Fucking mushroom girl. Hey, I don't fucking know. <laughs> the, I'm not the, convinced that's a good it? enough power to be a hero. The, the mud guy. I don't the know. The mud guy. <laughs> so yeah, My Hero Academia. Let's hope that things improve from here on out. So now let's move on to some honorable mentions. Um, I'm guessing that this is going to be a hodgepodge of things, like maybe shows that we haven't seen like subsequent seasons, but we've heard about them or like maybe it fell off, but it wasn't in like a second season. I'm just giving examples about what's on my list, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one I have two, Um, they are things that we've watched. It's just that I didn't think they were terrible second seasons. They were just, uh, they were mid. Yeah, which I, <laughs> I know like how much mid, you love that word. Yeah, I know like mid is used very interchangeably, where it can be like actual mid tier to something that's actually terrible. But I'll start off. Like I have two. This might be a little controversial, but I put Rent a Girlfriend uh, as an honorable mention. Oh, I I liked season two. I, I thought it was good. Like it wasn't as good as season one, but I still enjoyed it. I I, I know it got of... rated to like to shit mm. on Mal. I still don't know why. <laughs> I think but... it was it was a season that was just there. Like I know that Chizu. I feel like she, her story is the one that's developing the most in this in this harem. I guess with with Kazuya at the center of it. Like she's actually pursuing her dreams. Uh, of becoming an actress and there's that dramatic episode in the later half of the season where like she like she has like a like time pressure to actually fulfill this dream and then that's where Kazuya steps in and I feel like season three is going to really focus on that part which is pretty interesting but other than what Chizuru's pursuing What's everyone else really doing? I feel like it's it's a rehash of things that we saw in season one, like more of the same. Uh, Ruka's still clingy. Mommy's still a bitch, although she's kind of hiding in the shadows. Uh, Asumi's still kind of quiet, kind of breaking out of her shell. Like I, I, if you pulled out an episode in season two, I would still think it's probably part of season one. That's my argument. That's fair. But, like, for me, being a Chizuru fan and just wanting, like, I'm not a huge fan about harems in general just because I want to just see progression with two characters. So I kind of got that from season two because of, like, everything that happened between Chizuru and Kazuya. So I guess maybe that's why I liked it a little bit more. But you're right. To a certain degree, there was a very disproportionate amount of character development between Chizuru versus the other girls. So on my honorable mentions, I have to bring up Tokyo Ghoul Season Mm. 2. This is one where we have not watched Season 2, but we've heard plenty about it. So we recently reviewed Season 1 of Tokyo Ghoul on Episode 111 of Strictly Anime. It was our Halloween episode. So we are familiar with the story, 
but we went into it knowing full well that it's not worth it to watch anything past season one. And shout out to our friend Kevin, who literally said to us, it's great that you watched it. Don't watch anything beyond season <laughs> one. Just don't do it. Like flat out warned us against that. Um, and I believe that in general, like the Tokyo Ghoul anime adaptation didn't do the manga justice, that the manga, the story in the manga and the writing and everything is significantly better. Um, but like the season, the first season of Tokyo Ghoul was pretty decent. But after that, it just like did not live up to expectations. So I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't watch anything beyond season one. I liked what I watched enough. Didn't feel compelled to watch more, especially knowing that it's probably a waste of time and, and just won't give me the story that it should. My last honorable mention, and yeah, this is one where it kind of is that loophole about talking about subsequent seasons, is Attack on Titan. And I'm specifically talking Wait, about what? season three, part one. Oh, okay. I was very concerned at first. <laughs> I'm like, what are you about to say? No, yeah, this is the the Historia arc that kind of came out of left field. Although we're watching uh, Attack on Titan, rewatching Attack on Titan, and we are through season two right now. And I think I kind of understand like why it went to the Historia arc, especially with the whole thing about her family and how it's related to the, the world of the Titans. But I think f watching this firsthand, it was like like the talking arc, and it. I guess it was nice that it mixed up, like the, the the political intrigue of this world, but it just kind of took out all the Titan threats, uh, almost like what The Walking Dead did at some point, where it became less about the zombie threat and then this whole thing about oh humans versus humans, which is cool and all. It takes the story in a different direction, but. I think this one, it was just, it wasn't compelling enough as compared to everything that we saw in season one and two. Uh, but I, again, knowing everything that happens now in Attack on Titan leading up to the final season, I understand why season three, part one happened. And it, this is one of the cases where, like we brought up earlier, you know, you could have a very lackluster part of a story or like a manga that's being adapted, but you can still make it watchable. I don't know if that's the right word for this, but this is one case where, you know, Wit Studio, like they took this part of the story and they still did well with it with the, the, the direction of the episodes and the animation quality. Like those were still there. It's just, we had to get through this slog before the world turned upside down in season three, part two. It was not enough Titans and way too much of Aaron screaming and crying. Yeah. <laughs> this was where he was at his tropiest with the Shonen protagonist. Was this also the season that had Kenny or was that part two? No, that was interlaced with everything in okay. the story Like arc. that shit was cool. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't say season three part one was a total wash because you're right. Like it was still good. It had a lot of really important and exciting moments, but the core of it was about the Historia arc, and and that I was like, okay, I've had enough. Like you, could, I wish they condensed the Historia arc into half of season three part one instead of it being the entirety of season three part one. 
And last, but certainly not least, or maybe least, um, on my honorable mentions is Wonder Egg Priority. Well, I was actually going to ask you about this, but yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. So to clarify, the reason it's on honorable mentions is because it was a single season anime, an anime original. So there is no bad second season, but the end of it was fucking bad. Um, so to summarize, Wonder Egg Priority was this really special really well done, gorgeously animated show, just amazing writing, amazing music, everything about it came together so well. And it was just on this intense ride. It was going full steam. And then suddenly there was news about production issues that ultimately led to a delay in the final episode. So they delay it. They had three full months to finish one episode, the final episode. And yet, even after three full months, it was so bad. Wow. I mean, everything about that final episode sucked. I think it's technically considered Wonder Egg Priority special, um, or like the special episode, but it is it is the official ending of this show. They didn't even end the show. <laughs> it was so bad that like there was no real resolution. I was like, what the fuck? And and the animation was terrible. I mean, we're talking like really clean, really gorgeous animation almost the entire way through. And then this episode just sticks out like a sore thumb. And I believe that this is the anime or one of the anime um, where there were like cries for help <laughs> from some of the staff about like the the conditions and the production demands and all of that. So there was a lot that was just, you know, circling down the toilet in on the back end of Wonder Egg Priority. But man, if they had just stick that landing, if they had just taken those three full months and finished the show on a strong note, they didn't need more. There was never going to be a, a second season, I assume. So you just needed to just, like just make this one season really good. But this just shows how important tight production and like clean production is. Because then you have something that's amazing like Wonder Egg Priority and it ends up being shit and a total sour taste in everyone's mouth. They had one job. <laughs> they had all the time in the world to get that one job done right. And it blew up in everyone's face. Yeah, I don't know. It sucked. It really did. That was a very special show and I I loved it so much. It was unexpected. It was incredibly emotional. Um, and... It's just, it didn't turn out the way that it should have. And those are the great anime that we've seen that had really bad second seasons or subsequent seasons or just flopped in some way, shape, or form. What anime did you guys watch that started off really strong and then dropped the ball with a terrible second or subsequent season? Let us know. You can send us an email. You can reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Or you can join our Discord. The link is in the description. And you can share that with our Discord community. We're actually really curious. Um, so that way we kind of know, like Tokyo Ghoul, like whether something is worth watching past the first season. So if you guys can help us out, share some of your bad second seasons of anime, we'd love to hear it. But thank you all for not falling off uh, as, as these second seasons have and for, <laughs> for sticking with us and listening to us. We... We do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much for for being here, for joining us each and every week, especially for this episode, because you've allowed us to have our therapy session with you, to vent to you guys about some of these really big disappointments in anime. And I'm sure this won't be the last. I'm sure as anime goes on, there's going to be some other crazy disappointments out there. 
and you can be sure that we'll talk about it. And as always, make sure to subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to tell us all about shitty second seasons that you come across. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and tune into Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.